Hey guys, and welcome to the John Ranieri Music Studio. Um, today I've got a special guest. He's my best friend of eight years, and he's he used to be a metalhead. And we talk in this podcast about how he's transitioned out of metal due to his maturing sense of uh, the world and his musical tastes which have been reflected upon his growing up and his experiences with life and I thought it was a very valuable a very valuable chat to have because you know we're not we're not the one <laughs> percent of successful musicians who are making money by touring the world or releasing EPs but we're we're the people who are chasing a dream and we do that on either a small scale or a medium scale where we like we you know we love to practice and we love to engage in the art and we're only just a little bit ahead of where we were when we were 18 and I think this conversation really highlights the growth that happens as you pursue your art and you you reflect on what you've been doing and you reflect on where you want to go and I think it's it'd be very valuable for people who are <clears throat> who are younger listening to this podcast or who are like in the early 20s and they want to figure out how and why they're engaging in music because I think a lot of people get lost in the wanting to be the best biggest band in the world and they want to write hit music to get money or you know there's a lot of there's a lot of um, people out there who just want to play a song and they don't want to be musical uh, and I think this is a good podcast that'll explain a little bit more about the meaning of music and how to achieve a level of creativity within music. So enjoy the podcast, guys. <laughs> All right, I'll, do, I'll give you a little introduction. All right, so Tom's one of my best friends. He lives in Adelaide at the moment and I'm in Sydney. Uh, I wanted to call him because he's super into metal. He's super into um, his music and he does it as a hobby on the side and he's performed a couple of times in pubs and stuff like that and he's transitioned away from metal was it was that an accurate thing to say yeah definitely like yeah rarely listen to it anymore yeah and he's transitioned more into acoustic stuff you could say yeah yeah <laughs> so um well, I, I suppose i don't know for the point of the podcast maybe i could give you like a, a brief background of like yeah. how I yeah. got into music and like what I've sort of done. Yeah, so I suppose I learned how to play the guitar in primary school and one of the most vivid memories I have is literally the guitar teacher we had in primary school. Um, every lesson up until a point was like, I'll give you an E on the piano, tune your top string to an E. Now go away and figure out how to like tune the guitar. <laughs> that was pretty much it for like weeks on end. She was just trying to weed out all the little kids. Yeah, primary school. Um, but th- literally that was one of the happiest days of my life when I figured out how to tune the guitar and I came back at the end of class and showed her the guitar and she played it and she was like, yep, you actually passed. You tuned the guitar. <laughs> I was like, yes. Now I was like ready to actually start like learning smoke on the water and shit like that. Yeah, yeah, that was when I kind of realized that, yeah, like, music is cool. Like, you can learn things, and you don't always get things the very first time you try to learn them. It takes time. 
Um, and then transitioning on from that, I suppose I got more into like the electric guitar in, in high school. I did year nine and 10 music where I was really into the heavy metal scene, bands like Parkway Drive and Bullet For My Valentine and Avenged Sevenfold, things like that. And um, I guess I never really had a music teacher in high school. So I was just learning from mainly tabs online and um, me and my friend would just like play the tab and play it over and over again. Like start the tab and finish the tab until we could play each bit. And <laughs> half the time we were just sort of like, we weren't playing it accurately. We were just kind of like, oh, we can't play this bit. That's all right. We can play this next bit. Just like fumble through. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there was no sort of error correction going on. And it wasn't until I got to, I guess, university, met people like yourself and another friend we have, Jackson, where I really started to, um, I don't know, look at my guitar playing in a, a realistic sort of manner and realize how many mistakes and like how many gaps I had in, in the knowledge. Um, yeah, you yourself point out all the time, like I, I didn't know any scales, but I knew how to play like certain songs. <laughs> it was just very flawed. I had a very flawed approach to guitar. Um, and it wasn't until I started um, trying to learn how to sing that I realized how flawed my approach was on the guitar. And it, it, yeah, and, and that was when I had to like really um, slow everything down really pay pay really close attention to like how I was playing the songs and the chords and the notes and how I was singing things like really listen and feel um and that slowing down process was where when I feel like I actually started to learn how to play the instrument properly <laughs> even though it was it was still very devoid of theory like musical theory um it was much more um better yeah more grounded better sounding um and yeah i suppose I, the reason i started getting i only i sung a little bit clean singing um in high school just when i was like playing the acoustic guitar at home but i was really bad and i knew i was bad and my parents told me how bad i was and was like you gotta stop singing in your room Tom." <laughs> <laughs> gotta stop this nonsense so yeah i had to wait i could have this thing if there was no one else at home and even then i had to be quiet so my next door neighbors wouldn't hear um but yeah I, I i suppose the value of having me on john's podcast is john's very classically trained and he he knows his shit when it comes to singing and like the anatomy and how it all works I'm the com he's had like many teachers and I'm the complete opposite. I've never had a singing teacher apart from John trying to <laughs> trying to troubleshoot, get me to breathe, things like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's been very self-taught and it came out of this whole idea that once I moved to Sydney when I was at university, um, and I started going to these shows, I got more interested in the, the vocalists at the front, particularly metal shows, because the vocalists were just such a raw, powerful like experience. And um, they usually had a, like, a lot of meaning behind the words that they were singing. So yeah, I got really drawn to the vocal side of things and just the, I guess, guess the, the acting and the performance side. And that's what uh, I sort of kick-started my 
process of like trying to emulate and make the same sounds as my favorite vocalists. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's where it all began. Yeah, okay. I find it interesting because my, even though I was like classically trained, I had the same story as you with guitar. Like I, um, like I had a teacher for like eight years and I didn't listen to him kind of thing. I'd just go out and do my own thing and I'd learn, I'd learn songs without caring if they were right. I just wanted to be able to play them. It's exactly the same as what you were saying. <laughs> yeah, but like I just play something and be like, oh yeah, that sounds good enough to play with the record. So like whatever. And um, I only, I only really started seeing the flaws in my playing when I tried to do jazz and when I picked up the saxophone. That was so. It's funny that you said when you sang, you realized how flawed your approach was to guitar. Because I find learning the second instrument is always a really good measure of how good your thinking is like you know transferring the guitar thinking and then trying to apply it to something else and you go oh it's not working at all <laughs> like it's so specific and so basic so um did you find it really hard to transition into like that slower phase of thinking or do you think it's came because of maturity and like age uh i definitely think maturity played a factor but it was it was more to learn how to sing I couldn't match the pitch of the songs very well. Yeah. And I literally had to like learn what a scale was on the piano so that yeah. I could sing the notes in a scale. Like I didn't know that. And I'd been playing guitar since primary school for like six, seven years. I didn't even <laughs> like musical notes. I the only notes I really knew was like D because I had to tune my guitar to like drop D or like whatever it was. <laughs> so that's yeah. just, I don't know, it puts it into context of like how far removed I was from music theory. And um, yeah, once I realized that like, like I, I still to this day, I don't really know what the notes are in the C major scale. I just know like the pattern on the piano. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like when I have to, um, well, for C major, you don't have to play any black notes. But then if you went to the next, um, like if you went up uh, to the next note or chord, you have to play black notes and things like that. I still don't really know exactly what the chords are, but I remember the pattern and what it sounds like. And that's, I guess, what really improved my guitar playing, if I think about it, is I, I, I started to listen to what it should sound like. And that way I could, um, I don't know, sort of piece it all together. Because, yeah, when you're singing, to self-correct in real time, you have to be hyper aware of what your voice sounds like, of whether or not you're hitting the pitch and yeah. if you're not. And um, for a long time, I couldn't tell when I was actually singing. I had to record myself singing and then go back and listen to it later and be like, no, that was very wrong. Even though it kind of like, it felt nice and it felt like viscerally um, like a good release. It was very wrong. And um, I guess I could step into like some of the problems I had with singing or I could start and um, talk more about the, the screamo singing if you wanted to, John. Yeah, I did. Because I was going to say, um, how did you, how did you find uh, self-learning singing because self-learning guitar you can kind of do because you know you hit a note and it's always going to be the right note nothing unless it's out of tune but singing I feel like how did you find singing by yourself and then when I was teaching you like a couple of different things did you find 
having that like instant like no that's not quite right try it this way did you find that super helpful or did you prefer like to experiment listen to yourself or is like a blend of both well i definitely preferred when you were showing me how to do things because i'd practiced the the, the technique or the the scales and the in the correct way and could instantly see improvements in my voice yeah instantaneously almost <laughs> whereas like i'd be going months before like just doing the same what i thought was right stumbling around in the dark pretty much yeah. and uh, yeah not really getting any progress yeah, yeah so, so it wasn't until i i kind of figured out mainly through john and i had another um sort of singing mentor back home in Marimbula. i didn't breathe correctly when i was singing at all like i almost like didn't take any breath in to like sing uh, it was very strange um your breathing was reverse you used to push your stomach in to breathe in and then you'd push it out to breathe out which yeah, is be like racing to scream yeah it was yeah and and through doing that because i i didn't know it was kind of self-taught and i was trying to just go based off the noises that i could make um yeah i developed the complete opposite breathing pattern that you're supposed to have which yeah. wasn't easy to <laughs> to um, undo yeah. mind you how did you, how did you yeah like i wouldn't actually know how you learn how to scream except for like one dvd uh, I think her name is Melissa something. The Zen art, the art, what is it? Like the Zen art of screaming or something. That's the only yeah. official thing that I've ever heard of, like teaching how to scream. Do you, did you, did you uh, self-experiment with the screaming thing or did you like figure out from people that could scream? Like what was that process like? For me, I did watch a lot of YouTube videos of people trying to explain their own way and how they learn how to scream. Yeah. Um, because I think it is, you elude yourself, like everyone has a voice. Everyone kind of naturally has a scream that they can produce. Yeah. The trouble is when you're self-teaching yourself, you're trying to emulate everyone else instead of like letting your natural scream come out in its primitive sense. But yeah with all the diaphragmatic um, backing and things like that that you need. Like, so people, like, I kind of had an understanding of the theory of what I was supposed to do. Yeah. I just had no idea if I was actually doing it correctly. <laughs> yeah. It, my only measure was, like, I'd record it and then listen to it and be like, oh, that kind of sounds cool. Or, like, no, that sounds really wrong. Which yeah. is, the I, um, I'm pretty sure that's the wrong approach to have when you first start because you don't have the the strength and integrity in your voice yet like um i'm pretty sure when they um when they do things like uh false chords like yeah <clears throat> and shit like that um when you first like start learning how to do it it sounds really weird and they get you to do all like this is people on youtube they get you to do exercises like pretend you're a dog like ruff, ruff, and things like that and it just yeah. Or pretend you're a dinosaur and weird things like that and it, yeah. um it kind of doesn't really sound right and doesn't really click i don't know for me even though like i can easily do false chords i never used to scream like that the, yeah the screaming method that i kind of learned how to do myself 
um, was we figured out later was like through my falsetto. Yeah, that's right. Because um, what ended up happening is I was having the actually this was probably good. So um, when like when I say I, I was a metal like screamo um, singer, I used to sing a lot of songs that had screaming and singing in them. So I had to learn how to transition between both. And like while I was working on my screaming, I was um, essentially learning how to clean sing as well, which harks back to what you said before. The more you scream, the more you realize like, no, I need to learn how to clean sing properly first. Yeah. And then from that foundation of being able to hit the right notes and like how to breathe correctly, then the your screaming will be improved. Um, yeah. That was a big thing that I noticed, and that was a big thing that you helped me with, John, because um, just the techniques and some of the what was it like Swedish Italian method sort of opera singing really yeah. just helped my um, like clean singing voice, and then gave me the sort of like strength in my vocal cords and the um, integrity of having a properly supported diaphragm and like, correct alignment to then like really improve my screaming voice. Mm. And uh, I guess, yeah, the problem I was having was uh, mainly like vocal range problems where I get to a certain point in my register and I'd have to, it, it wouldn't transition into my head voice from my chest voice. It'd be like a, a transition into falsetto way too early. And I figured out it's because I was purely screaming through my falsetto. So I was like overdeveloping my falsetto. Yeah. But then, I don't know. And this was just because I tried to learn how to scream through trying various different methods and techniques I'd heard people talk about online. But just stumbling across one that I could make like a loud enough sound that I could reproduce. <laughs> and, yeah. um, it didn't leave me without a voice afterwards. So I was like, oh, I must be doing it right. Yeah. Did you ever find, did you, so when you were starting out learning how to scream, did you lose your voice a lot? I'm going to say no. Like I never really lost my voice at all, but I was hyper cautious. Like I knew it was a thing that could happen. Like I knew you could develop nodes and like you could really fuck up your voice if you were screaming incorrectly. So I, I made conscious effort to never do anything that hurt and um, take like rest. So like if I screamed really long one day, I wouldn't scream the next day. I'd just naturally be like, no, I'm going to stop myself, yeah. um, even if I didn't have to. But it did get to the point where um, the friend I mentioned earlier, Jackson, who played the, the guitar, and I would literally practice every single day. So I did scream yeah, every yeah. single day for a period yeah. of like, I don't know, almost six months. <laughs> and um, it was fine. I would notice some days were better and some days were worse, depending on how much sleep I had, like what I ate, um, <laughs> how much exercise I'd been doing. It's kind of, it's weird how like your whole um, sort of lifestyle impacts your singing voice. That was another thing that you kind of really um, taught me. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's funny. With that's interesting that you didn't lose your voice because I when I started screaming, 
it was more like yelling as loud as I could to try and get the um because I always thought it was loud for some reason like I've, I've always had this thing that like when you scream it should be like an actual scream because like you know when you hear it in a metal concert or something like it's it's a rumbly like it's loud <laughs> yeah. but do you reckon if they were like like do you reckon that's actually loud or is it kind of like a projection thing if you do it correctly because that's like singing's like that like you don't actually force it out louder you kind of have to sing into the right spots for it to project naturally. Is that what screaming's like? It's hard for me to say because I wouldn't, I would never say I was a professional at it. Like, I was never very, like. <laughs> but you could replicate I got it. To the level where I did, what did you say? I said you could replicate it every day and you didn't lose your voice and have any problems with it for six months, which is pretty, you know, I'd say that's pretty damn good technique in yeah. some sense. So. Well, it was, it did change and develop through that period. Like, it did change in its sound, and like, I could change like how low and how high I could scream. And I suppose it, it comes with, um, you practice any skill, you become better at it and better able to control it. Yeah. Um, but I guess, what was your question again? As in like, is it, is it loud? Like if you were to scream oh. as part of a song and it's acoustic set and there was no mics, would you, would it be like a scream, like, you know, someone murdering, you know, someone, or is it kind of like a reserved noise that gets amplified through the microphone? So my answer to that question is this, it's different for every single artist, metal artist out there. Yeah. Like some of them are loud as fuck and at like the start of the song they wanted me using the microphone and you can hear them through the audience and it's like what the fuck they'll use it for like a dramatic impact of like not even using the microphone and then when they use the microphone like in between songs they'll have to yell into it so that you can hear them talking because they're so loud but then like the next band will come on and they'll have to like change all the settings and like all the levels because the next scream will come out and he'll have to like cup the microphone so right. that you can hear him. Yeah. So like, it's very um, different for different screamers and it depends on their technique and I suppose I guess what works for them or what they've trained themselves to do. Yeah, yeah. Did you get frustrated? Firstly, mine wasn't very loud and because it wasn't very loud, I always second guess whether or not it was correct. <laughs> like there was a few things, like, like overdeveloping my falsetto. I was like, I'm probably doing something wrong here. Yeah. Um, that's where it comes into another thing, which I think it's kind of the same with queen singing, but more, even more so with um, metal, like screaming, screaming vocals. Is there's heaps of different ways to do it. Like you can do like false chords, like pure false chords. Um, like fry screaming and then like your falsetto weird screams that I used to do and then yeah. you can do like the and all of these different techniques vary in volume and some of them like I experimented a little bit with trying different techniques and there was a few screams that I figured out I could do that were really fucking loud like <laughs> I'd go from the microphone up against my face to like the microphone here to do them if I was performing them live. Yeah. And um, but those ones would really tax my voice and like yeah, okay. I'd notice at the end of the day if I did too many of them, it would hurt and I wouldn't be able to talk properly. Yeah. But I suppose 
that was more like you don't need to use those for dramatic effect when you're performing or you do them once or twice when you're recording an album and things like that. Yeah. So I think being self-taught, I suppose that's the experience that I have that you can get very lost and misguided and have, <laughs> it's like a very self-discovery, like trial and error sort of process. Yeah, sure. Did you find... I was going to say, that being said, you can't really go out and get a screaming vocalist teacher. Like, it's not a common thing. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, harping back to what we were talking about before, definitely working on vocal, just normal clean singing techniques, even, like, the opera techniques, far, like, improved my voice so much. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. And that's, I guess, what led to my transition away from, like, metal screaming. Because I realized it was it was detracting from my natural voice. Yeah. Like it didn't feel good in the end. It was like it kinda like was this dirty thing that I used to do. And the more angry you were, the better it would sound and the better it would feel. And sort of when you relax and chill out and you're not pissed off at the world, it's sort of hard to make like really evil scream sounds. No, which is funny. I don't know if you've ever noticed that yourself, but oh yeah, I definitely do. Um, that so that's that's okay. So that's the next. Oh, hold on. I wanted to bring it back. Just one thing. Did you ever get frustrated with um yourself, uh, and your instrument being your voice because you couldn't, you did like you never sounded the way you really wanted to sound. Like you liked the band because like like Parkway Drive, for example, like an amazing screamer. Did you ever get frustrated with yourself because your your voice wasn't as loud or like you know? I had my own, like, sort of unique voice. Yeah. Um, I guess I would get frustrated, but it, at the same time, it was more, like, doubting myself. It was, like, am I actually doing it correctly? Or, like, why does my voice sound like this and not like that? Or, like, <laughs> is he just doing a different technique that I don't know how to do yet? Or, like, there's just so many unknowns going on. And, yeah. um... There's another good band that I used to show you a lot because I really loved uh, the guy's voice. It was Architects. Yeah, yeah. And um, this he, he had the ability of learning how to, like, scream and sing at the same time. So he, like, screamed and sung to, like, a certain pitch and certain melody. And I was obsessed with it. And, like, <laughs> trying to emulate that was just, like, realizing how incompatible the way I'd learned how to scream was to doing what he was doing. Yeah. Like, I had to learn a completely different screaming technique so that I could try and sing scream. And, yeah. um, yeah, it was just, there was a lot of doubt, self doubt going on. But at the same time, it's like you sort of investigate the sounds that you can make. And if you make a sound that sounds cool, it's like, yeah, I'm going to keep practicing that and trying to develop and grow that. Yeah. Regardless, exactly. like, the sort of technique. My only measure, like I said before, was like, does it hurt? No, it doesn't. <laughs> you find it to it. <laughs> That's so true, though. Like, I think, I think for, for, especially for something as unknown as screaming, like that's a, you know, it's a, it's important to have that self awareness and not be like, oh, you know, this is just what it should feel like. Like it should hurt. I should scream until I like, can't talk because that's what, the way to get it. Like, I think it's important to realize that everyone who has a longevity in metal has figured out a way to do it without like harming the vocal cords because like even event sevenfold matt shadows had to cancel their most recent europe tour because he got his vocal nerds back and he was he was hardly screaming at all so obviously the effects of 
poor vocal treatment for a long period of time is just not good. Like, would you prefer never to talk again at 30 or would you prefer to have like a voice and just sing less screamy? You know, I, I, I find it super interesting. I just, screaming's been something that's always eluded me. Like I could never do it without pain. So. Yeah, which is yeah, it's part of the the um the path, I suppose. But I was gonna say before um going on what you just said. I'm trying to think what I was gonna say. No, it's gone. It's gone forever. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I guess the longevity of um metal screamers. That was always playing in my mind, so it was like, look, if I'm going to make a career of this, I've got to learn how to do it properly so it's sustainable and I can perform like six nights a week if, week if I need to. Because I always found there was a real difference between practicing and then when I go to perform and the nerves are there and maybe your vocal cords dry out a little bit and then you're like forcing yourself on stage and it's like, this doesn't feel like it normally does. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and then imagining that like back to back to back to back to back would yeah. not be good for your voice. Um, so when, but, once you have vocal nerves, you don't get rid of them really unless you have surgery or you do some serious rehab. But like if you're on tour, or like you've sort of, you, you, like if you paid to you're go on a famous band, you don't have time to take yeah. like three or four years out of your touring schedule to practice yeah. exactly. and like reach pain. So, so I wanted to, I Which, wanted to talk about, huh? I was gonna say it happens to a lot. Like it's common. Yeah, it's particular. Yeah. So with the um with the transitioning out of metal part, yeah, you touched on a good point, which is the more calm you are and the more happy you are within yourself, the less you want to <laughs> scream and, you know, listen to this hardcore heavy shit. Um, did you want to talk more about that? Because I feel like that's a huge part of both of our lives that we engage in a lot is like a lot of unwinding, uh, cathartic stuff that's not aggressive. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, well, I guess I can only really speak from my personal experience. And um, the transition out of metal for me was um, part of health thing because I realized it's detracting from my natural singing voice um, and part a sort of I think a maturity thing like you hear that like people's music taste will change like if you think back to yourself in high school or in primary school your music taste is very different like when you look back at your old playlist you're like oh I can't believe I used to listen to that band or like such and such you're almost embarrassed to like <laughs> reveal to you and to who your favorite bands were and what you spend most of your time listening to. Yeah. Um, I think naturally as I've got older and I think it happens that's happened to yourself as well. Um maybe it could be to do with your interests, but I think it's more to do with like um the vibration that you kind of like resonate with. When you're younger, life's a lot more chaotic and unorganized you don't really understand what's going on and like you're bombarded with information all the time you're in kind of like a fight or flight state all the time so for yeah. me metal was like <clears throat> all this tension would build up and i could just like let it all go like <sighs> go crazy scream and listen to all this like really every heavy 
angry, not even like angry, but just like sometimes sadistic and fucked up music. And like the more fucked up it was, the more I'd be like, yeah, that's that's it. Because yeah. it just like feed or like allow me to like get rid of these evil feelings I was having inside of me. And yeah. then it probably facilitated and like made me addicted to those evil feelings as well. Now I think about it. And as I got older and sort of like stepped away from that music, um, you well as you get older you have more emotional I guess stability and control and awareness, yeah. and um, you don't need this to listen to this radical type of music as like a daily relief and release of tension. Um, you you don't have that tension arise in your life anymore and. For me, I'm, I've almost gone the opposite. Like, I listen to a lot of um, almost instrumental and, like, Buddhist, like, relaxation music. Yeah. And that's just, I guess, the music that I resonate with at the moment. Yeah. Because um, I, uh, I found as I had to slow, like, metal was always a really fast, well, it, was, it was almost like skateboarding in a way. Like, it was dangerous to play metal because you had to play really super fast. You had to be, like, it was like a physical exercise for me. So I really enjoyed doing that and getting into that, like, uh, just like the zone of like, oh, you know, yeah, and like you got to shred and it's like all very much aggressive, powerful, like solid music. And and I think as I started to practice more and more with more like thinking involved and less like running and sprinting, because you don't really think that much about that. Depends how professional you get. But um, I, I think I started transitioning out of it because I realized how the same it was. Like there's only so like it was like that addiction to heaviness. Like you really wanted the the, the drop to be heavy, the and then down. yeah, yeah it got like less heavy the more you listen to it, and then you tried to find a heavier song, and then it just started sounding like it was just like oh nothing not, like nothing's gonna satisfy this desire for it to be like it's like that primal <laughs> anger or whatever the hell makes you want to hear something's like a really heavy drop. So I started getting out of it because I was like oh. I think I'm chasing my own tail with it. Like I'm listening to stuff that's, uh, it's not like it's as heavy as it was when I first listened to it, but I'm, I'm starting to get sick of the, the same, like it never really, metal never evolved in my mind. Like it went more electronic and produced and it actually made it less heavy. Like Parkway Drive's always been one of my favorite bands because they, they just plug in some amps and record it fairly sonically as opposed to, yeah. and um, as I was slowing down, my own and to practice properly for university going to do music university and trying to do jazz i used to hate jazz uh, like some of me still does hate jazz but as i started like hearing more and you know you said like when you were learning how to sing it's all about like how how where you can be of your own listening um as i started to put all these little little lego blocks onto my little uh, ability to play guitar i started to appreciate metal not all metal like maybe like 90% of what I used to listen to, I started to appreciate it less because it wasn't as um, interesting. Yeah, sophisticated. And I don't know if it's like a snob because I still love Parkway Drive and I still love Bring Me the Horizon um, and I still love, you know, Bullet for My Valentine. But I'd, I'd like listen to them, you know, like once a week, like if I'm going to the gym or if I need when to be. Them good, yeah. But otherwise, yeah, I just definitely transitioned out of that kind of stuff. And like I was just in a trance for a lot of time because trance was my. Uh, <laughs> the heavy drop kind of stuff like <laughs> i don't oh. know or like yeah. dubstep sort of stuff <laughs> 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 yeah 
just like really uber melodic stuff with like a drop because it was i think i started figuring out too there was a contrast that made it heavy like if they played a recorder for a minute of the song and then went into like this enormous drop you'd be like oh that that's heavy stuff but if they're playing constantly in like drop b and it's all heavy and then they try and do a drop it's like oh it's just the same mm-hmm. so as i started to like grow up i think the contrast i became more aware of how much how much music needs to contrast to like help itself and metal just started going more and more heavy as opposed to like like even like black sabbath and stuff like they all had a uh, like a pretty happy verse like it was pretty major key and then the chorus would be like minor so it was like a really nice like sweet child of mine perfect example it's in a major key until the solo and then it goes into the minor key and it's like so good till this day <laughs> but when you just <laughs> but when you're just playing like heavy 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 drop riffs and then you try and make a a, a heavy drop you i think you've missed the point because it's not going to be heavy you know Unless it gets yeah. really nasty. Like, what was that point? Maybe that's what um, turned me away from playing the guitar, heavy metal guitar. It kind of became too much m- monotony and, like, not as sophisticated in my mind. And then I got more drawn to the vocals and, like, the, the rawness of the screams, which, when I say the rawness, the overproducedness of the screams now to make them sound so ridiculous and evil. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's another thing. When you're trying to emulate um, modern day uh, screamer artists, they do not sound anything like the produced recordings. You have to go see them live to understand what it actually sounds like in real life. Yeah. And even then, they have like all special little buttons and like delay effects and like things that they can do to make their voice sound a lot bigger than it actually is. I think that's true for pop singers too. I don't think people realize, but like, you know, I, I honestly believe that Justin, Justin Bieber on an acoustic guitar by himself would probably sound less amazing than if you went and saw him in a stadium because you're not actually getting the, the like, he'd sound the same. You know, like you'd still recognize it's Justin Bieber singing, but the quality of the voice, like if you go see an opera singer, they're not mic'd at all and they have to hit the back of a theater over an orchestra. So the quality of voice has to be there. But these pop singers just have to sing into a microphone and it sounds amazing because the technology is there. Like they, they can make up for the ability to sing acoustically, sonically. Uh, like project, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like project with quality as opposed to just turning into like a little screech. And I think that's what people get confused when they come to lessons to learn how to sing metal because metal doesn't really have, even their clean vocals are very rarely good. Not very rarely good. (laughs) (laughs) All self-taught. Yeah, like I think I watched Asking Alexandria do a uh, Perfect by Ed Sheeran cover recently and it was like, the singer was like, oh, I was like, mm, I don't think you should have done this. This isn't, a, it wasn't appropriate for his voice. But like I said, he's making, he's making money off it. So like, <laughs> I'm not going to like try and rip on this dude for having a shit technique. But um, yeah, I think it's, I think the technology and the CD production has gone so far that people forget what it actually sounds like to hear someone sing well, you know what I mean? And especially like screams and stuff. Like I would, I never saw a live metal band, so I would have no idea what it, legit sounds like compared like i saw him on like youtube at like rock am ring or something and like trivium is a good example of like you'd listen to matt heafy sing and scream and then when you do it live you'd be like oh that's 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 pretty like 
Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it hurts. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, like you know, you hear about all their vocal problems later. Like you know, a year later, it's like, oh, I had to go see a, a, a classical singer to fix all my problems, and now I can sing better than I ever did before. And I always find it funny because people forget that element of it. It's like there has to be some foundation. Because singing, uh, screaming is an art in itself. Like, I, I can't even do it. So I, <laughs> I can't even, like, speak about it, which is how much of an art it is. Like, it's, you'd write about having, like, a primal scream. Like, I could go and yell on a football pitch and whatever the hell. But if it was like, oh, can you scream this line and do it in a metal song, I'd be like, nah, man. I <laughs> wouldn't even know where to start. Whereas, like, you've spent heaps of time. on the microphone and it just, like, deafens you. You're like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. But it's, it's, it's just fascinating. And I find it funny too that when you said that you started discovering your natural voice and like when we we're doing the nuances of, of what music is, do you reckon as you became less angry, you started, you became less angry because you started discovering other emotions in life and like acoustic music's a really good way to express a really broad range of emotion. So it actually felt a bit better because it was more holistic. Um, I suppose... What I thought of then while you were talking was another transition away from screaming and, and metal in general was that oh, what's there? Um Oh, I realized through the, the vocal and the, the classical training that was improving my voice so much that I kind of we kind of came addicted to that and just did more and more of that and more and more clean singing because it, it it felt so much nicer than um than the screaming like aggressive sort of scene and yeah i guess it was resonating with the mood of like oh i feel more relaxed so i'm gonna start singing like this and then yeah like you said instead of all this sad sort of music that can still be um reflected in acoustic music there's more of this like the wide range of like happy, I guess for me, I could tell you a, a quick little story that would put um, like finding your own voice in, in perspective. Yeah, go for it. When I was, I was telling you about my trip to Nepal recently, um, during one of the days we were hiking, I was I had a look like heaps of energy that day and I kind of stormed ahead and um, I was with a group of two other people I got like really far ahead because they were kind of struggling with the altitude. I thought, oh, I better wait for them. I can't get too far ahead. So I pretty much found this really beautiful place to like sit overlooking um, like this river and all the mountains around me. I just kind of sat there, had my trekking poles, and I'm just sort of like started tapping my trekking poles together like chopsticks. Oh, well, not chopsticks. Like what are they? What are the indigenous? Oh, uh, you mean drumsticks or? I don't know what they're called. I don't no, know like the, the wood tapping sticks, they clack together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I sort of hit my trekking poles together, like um, making like a rhythm and a beat and just started like uh, kind of singing with my natural voice to see what emotions I was feeling and like w what was coming up naturally in me. And like this was a freezing day and like where I was sitting, there was just like icy wind coming up, making me like kind of really cold. But like, you know yourself um, with cold exposure, you can relax yourself and sort of ignore the cold and get to a point where like the cold doesn't phase you. 
yeah. and um, you keep core body temperature. Like, you, you can essentially numb yourself to the sensation of the cold. Um, I was sitting there and I just out of nowhere made up this song about the cold and how it makes you strong, but how it initially like makes you numb and like weak and like makes you feel young and things like that. And then it transitioned to like how it makes you feel strong and powerful and like smart and things like that. And I just sang like this real primal sort of tribal song. And it was, there was no need to like bring it back to what we were talking about before. There was no need to like scream or try and emulate anyone or like try and imitate some, some vocalist. It was just my natural voice just releasing itself. And you can feel like your whole like diaphragm and everything open and like as the whole sound is like traveling around like up the back of your head like around all your neck you can feel it as it comes out and just feels so pure and raw and um you kind of for me my singing journey has turned into more about the feeling and the sensation of singing itself rather than what it sounds like yeah and i don't know if you can um, I agree with this as well, but I feel like that's way more important than trying to like record yourself and then troubleshoot how it sounds. Like sing with with the emotion and like the natural ease and the calmness and sort of the openness, and like, with that comes the rawness and the like the power of your voice. Mm. And um, irrelevant. Don't worry too much about what it sounds like. Just aim for that feeling, and. For me, that is when my singing voice, if I did record it then, it would, probably would have sounded amazing. Yeah. would have sounded, whoa, this guy's got an amazing, like, deep voice. Yeah, um, yeah it's kind of funny how, for me, um, when I try and ignore what it sounds like, because, yeah, like I said before, it used to sound terrible when I was trying to emulate people on the acoustic guitar, especially back home where I still lived at home. My parents were like, you've got to stop singing. Like, it's just terrible. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose that's where you can explore like your natural range and like so what notes feel fine. Like you can explore different emotions going back to what you were saying. And um, yeah, for me, I suppose the acoustic guitar has helped that because the acoustic guitar is so accessible and I kind of knew how to play the guitar, but it's sort of it's a good accompaniment, I yeah. feel, because I'm not listening to uh, a song and then trying to sing along to the song which it's more I can play my own music and then express myself naturally how how it feels like I should like make my own sound sort of thing and yeah it's it's been really fun like really really fun I want to keep doing more of it yeah, that's dope because um I uh I have the same I like it's so true you got to sing for yourself and what it's more important for it to feel right than it is for you to sound like uh, one of the, you know, the architect lead singer or Pavarotti or whatever. Cause I know if I sing an opera, like an aria or an operatic song and I sing it with a dude who's like 40 years experience, I'm like straining. I'm pushed way past my limit trying to emulate what I think I sound like with him. So if I, and then if I just play the piano and I don't really give a shit what it sounds like and I just sing it as it feels good, I actually get better and better at singing it the way they sound. So it's like this letting go of this preconceived idea that you know what you sound like live. <laughs> like <laughs> a lot of people sing 
and they like they're trying to make it sound really good and when you're like what are you doing like just let it let it go and then they let it go and you're like oh my god did you hear that they're like no it just sounded really bad and i was like what do you mean it sounded bad I was like, it sounds amazing <laughs> and like, like oh no they're never gonna make it <laughs> <laughs> well no i had that exact same experience like everyone talks about it like my teacher tell like says the same thing it's all and that's why i think like having a teacher is super important who actually knows how to sing because they'll be like that's it like and you probably if you weren't so focused on making it sound something some way and you were more alert and what it felt like you probably realized oh it actually felt super good and super easy to to sing the way that they like it and I, like you may not be aware of it yourself because you're actually enjoying the internal feeling instead of being aware of like absolutely everything because like you have to be aware of pitch and you have to be aware of the music obviously but there's a um this is definitely like the feeling of vibrating in your soft palate and your hard palate and your nose and your your body it's like all working as one and it's working really well and if there's no when you get to that point of like you can play with the elements and the different things that you've learned really like you know like really smoothly it feels so good and you don't, you don't have to be told oh you should sing this way or sing you didn't sing like you know you and the nepal thing is like you don't singing anything in particular you were just expressing your your truest self on a mountain like no one's there to judge you you're not even there to judge yourself you're just there to have a great time and that's probably where and the probably song naturally came out yeah so, yeah so we could talk about creativity after that where it's like yeah go for it oh no we don't have to you want to i want to be creative yeah. with creativity Good. we could go down we could go down that rabbit hole well and that's two kids Let's do it. Let's do it. We'll, we'll, we'll go down because I think it's important as well. It's all part of the same thing, you know. I'll I'll say one more point before we talk about creativity. So I'm just thinking I, ha- I had something to say before. So when yeah. when people are listening to a song and trying to emulate that artist, I think another point we could briefly mention is you can't properly hear yourself when the song's there. So when you strip it back and you're just listening to yourself, that's when you can be like, you you might accidentally try something or something might come out that feels great and then you you can sort of troubleshoot and be like, oh, maybe that's how that artist makes that sound because you're, you're actually listening and playing with your own voice. You haven't got all this like external distraction going on. Because yeah. the only, to me, the only good thing about singing along to a, um, a song is is the practice in matching pitch that's about it you learn the tune yeah that's literally it. yeah you learn the intervals in the chorus and things like that and how they enunciate words and that's literally it it's purely designed for like imitation <laughs> yeah. whereas like when you're singing by yourself without the without the music there's so much room for i guess what we're going to talk about now creativity and so much room to explore and sort of kind of learn your voice and learn like, oh, if I if I push a bit harder here or if I relax a little bit here, um, it will change how my voice feels and how it sounds and like how high I can go, how low I can go. Like, oh, maybe if I suck my belly in a little bit, my voice can like sustain higher notes. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I think that whole just like letting go of the idea of, trying to sound like a particular artist 
because the chances that your the voice that you have matches that particular art, artist is very small and um yeah very small and i literally because of my like vocal range limitations when i am singing along to songs there's certain songs that i can't put on because i can't sing that high <laughs> or i have yeah. to sing like an octave lower than the actual song um yeah. so there's certain artists that i i find that do have voices similar to mine that i can sing along to yeah and um that just puts it in perspective or oh, that's just a good example of how sort of limited that way of learning how to sing is and how you should i don't know strip it back and focus on your own voice so you can really listen to yourself and learn from your own sort of real-time experience yeah i think i think as much as teachers are there to tell you how to correct it it's a huge part of like okay well what did they tell me to do here and then how can i how can i like uh manipulate that to do other things with my voice that i couldn't do before and it's it's like as much as teachers tell you what to do it's kind of up to the student to go out and experiment with everything to try and get what they want to sound like because at the end of the day like the technique and the tools that people give you and all the youtube videos with little tips and tricks it's only you've only gone to that video because you think you have a problem or you do have a problem with your voice you know what i mean like as soon as that problem's fixed unless you're trying to be something that requires 10 years worth of solid training and development, you can probably just, you can probably like write your own songs and compose and have a really good time with your own voice without having to worry about, oh, it sounds wrong. You know what I mean? Because like, like we've said a couple of times is that you don't actually know what your voice sounds like. And if you record it and you don't like it, like you're in the same boat as everyone. <laughs> Like, I don't know, I've never met anyone who's like, oh, yeah, dude, my voice sounded 10 out of 10 on this voice recording. Listen to it. Everyone's always like, oh, no, that's the worst. Don't listen to that. <laughs> like, oh, it sounds so bad. Super embarrassed. Like, yeah. the amount of things on my phone, it's just like, I need to delete those. But you got to keep them to, like, map the progress. And, like, I don't know, constantly remind yourself of what you used to sound like versus, like, what you sound like now. Um, yeah. But, yeah, the amount of times I've Googled how to increase your vocal range and things like that, how to sing higher. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Whereas when I come back to that, just letting myself naturally sing and use use my natural voice, go on what feels good, all of a sudden I can sing as high as I need to. And, and you really showed me that with the vocal exercises. We were doing some, I was doing some vocal exercises with John and I was like, no, no, I can't, I can't sing higher. Like, I, I, I can't sing up to these notes and we're doing this exercise and we're just getting higher and higher and higher and higher and higher and it's easy like I'm hitting the notes perfectly and John's kind of like holy shit like maybe you're not a tenor maybe you're like a uh oh maybe you're not a baritone maybe you're like a tenor or a soprano I was like what the fuck are you talking about John I can't hit these notes normally and it was just yeah the, the lack of the technique which reiterates again the the art of um having a good teacher versus yeah. like self-teaching i think that's a an important discussion to have because based on my experience as a, a self-teaching singer that the most improvement i've had in my voice is through like the one or two occurrences i've had with teachers whether yeah. i've just i don't know given me a technique to practice or um really just listen to me sing and like 
give me an assessment like you said of like yeah that's it like do that feeling again Re- like um repeat that sort of process yeah and um, you have had the opposite sort of um experience although it sounds like earlier you did used to play around with your voice <laughs> a lot but now you've you've become a lot more strict and realize the importance of teachers and yeah and why your voice is so good now <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, I, think I find it quite funny because I have also have a mate who sings opera and he's at the con now doing it. And he, he does a lot of self-experimentation and he sees a lot of different teachers and he, he researches so many different schools of thoughts. And he's such an eclectic dude for singing technique because he's done like he's done the, the really far back in the soft ballet, he's done the really far forward method, he's done the, you know, the balancing and he goes and, and he just learns from everyone. And I think that's that's kind of the person, like the best students don't have the best teachers. The best students are the best students because they're so happy with creativity and failing. Like I think my biggest problem for a lot of my life was like, oh, I was one of my teachers. I, I wouldn't think for myself. Like I'd wait for the teacher to be like, do this or do that or do this. And if like I, I never, <laughs> like you didn't practice what they told you to practice. And you go in and they're like, (laughs) you think that you think that like, yeah, oh, you know, if you just stick with one teacher for 20 years, you'll be fine. But I feel like there's an independence to learning that you have to take responsibility for the fact that they're only there as like a mirror. And if you don't have anything to show the mirror, they're not going to give you anything back, you know? So if you don't practice and you don't experiment and you haven't fucked up during the week and you haven't. Tried to sing. come to them with all these questions of like, oh, I was doing this technique and such and such. Yeah, they can't help you. Yeah, they just that's because like they can only give you what that what helped them essentially, or what what has helped other people. And if you're just like, oh yeah, no, I did it this week, and then you start singing, and they're like, well, like, are you sure you practice? Like, oh yeah, no, I practice. I practice a lot, and you're like, well, and you know, and then the teacher's like, well, I, like, it's really hard to try and fix someone who's just done exactly what you've said because <laughs> it like it's a strange thing to say it's but like, like it's not working oh shit yeah. try it again <laughs> so you just like like so there's a point where you've explained it to the utmost simplicity and it's like well unless you go out and play with it like unless you go and ride the bike without wheels you're never going to know what it's like to ride the bike like i can't teach you how to let go you know it's like that actually has to come through the student wanting to do more and like uh, it's like, oh yeah, so they told me to practice my falsetto this week, but like, oh, you know, I did that for five minutes and now I really want to go sing chess words and like belt out, a, you know, musicals with the theater song or something. It's like, that's what you should do. Like go and go and be what you want to be and need to be at that time. And then the vocal technique will kind of just do its thing in the background. Like it doesn't always have to be like, I've fallen into the trap. It's like, oh, I need to do technique. I need to do technique. I need to do technique. And then you end up six months later, it's like, I didn't learn any songs. So it's like, what's the point in freaking learning technique? Cause it's, I have nothing now. You know, because like no, I have all this knowledge, but I don't have like a little tree that's like showing in the ground. <laughs> you know, like there's nothing to. It's like the bamboo thing. It's like it's all growing underground. And it goes four or five years later, nothing showing, and then like the day that you learn a song, it's like the bamboo shoots up. And you're like, oh, that's why I did all the technique stuff. You know, the day that you're creative with the tools is the day that you actually get the most return out of learning a technique from someone. It's just so. I've always found it to be so ironic that like my best days singing are the days where I don't always listen to what my teacher's saying because I've experimented with my own voice because I feel more comfortable singing 
the way you intuitively know and feel good about rather than being like, oh, I should do this or I should manipulate my voice because they told me to do that. So there's like that, there's that always that yin yang version of a teacher and people shouldn't always rely on a teacher and they shouldn't always rely on no teacher because there needs to be, there needs to be that good balance of, okay, I'm, I'm my own teacher and I know what feels good and I know exactly what I want to sound like and I'm discovering that because I'm matching it again. Like it's a contrast thing. It's like, oh, I'm going to be Ed Sheeran, my teacher's teaching me opera. You get to the point where you sound like Ed Sheeran, you're like, do I really want to keep doing the opera thing? Is that really what I want to do? And like you have to be honest with yourself and say, no, I think I've gotten what I needed to get. So, and then you just have to go out and you have to jump up. You got to jump out of the nest, you know. You got to learn how to fly eventually. Like you can't just stay in the nest. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Your friend sounds like an amazing human, actually. The fact that he's like gone so far into learning each different method is—he's uh, amazing, dude. He's got a great voice. And it's funny because you can hear the like you can hear his voice because I've I've heard him at like. Like at the end of four years learning with my teacher, I've heard him at the end of six months learning with another teacher, and then I've heard him for like a month after learning with another teacher, and it's so weird being like, "Oh, that's what that technique sounds like. That's what that technique sounds like, and that's what that technique sounds like." And now I hear him sing, and I'm like, "It's just this like amazing conglomeration of it. It's not like one thing. It's wow. yeah. I should actually do an interview with him because he'd be a super." Yeah. Oh, just trying to imagine, because it's like all the different screams I was trying to learn. You learn all these different methods, and you got that personal experience with each one, and like when to draw on them, and like for what effect, and what artist you're trying to emulate, or like what song you're trying to sing along to, or just what works best in certain situations. And that's part of creativity, isn't it? Hey, because you got to you got to intuitively kind of like I you got to have the tools, and then you got to be intuitive enough. To be like, oh, I want to do a vocal fry here or I want to actually scream because it's a super powerful part of the song. But you have to know how to do it in a way. Even if you learn it self-taught or you learn it by a teacher, it's that the creativity is what really ties everything we've said today together with the with guitar, you know, singing. So, And I think a lot not enough people do the creativity side, which is a bit sad because it's so... Yeah. Well, there's, there's the, yeah, creating... Um, music side but there's also I think the creativity and like what your friend must have done like which method should I learn next like he's created his voice by learning all these different methods and researching all these different ways and in that that's it's been a creative process because he's started to learn one method and then he's like come across another one he's like I'm gonna have to like change my voice in this certain way to like learn this new method and like through that he's obviously like that that in itself is a creative process because he's creating his voice through that process of learning different techniques and being uh, sort of aware and open like listening to your voice and being like well i can't really hit the the notes correctly maybe i should learn scales and practice scales and practice hitting them on the piano like maybe that'll help Yes, that definitely helps. <laughs> and then, like, trying to find the next um, sort of, like, looking for the next step and, like, the next thing you need to work on with your voice. I feel like that in itself is, is still a creative process, even though you're not creating songs. You're creating yeah. your voice. Or 
not even that, like finding your true voice. Yeah, I did a I did a video on this recently of the 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 process of learning is that you have a triangle, and in order to make to order to learn something, you have to disintegrate the integrated triangle. You know, okay. to add the to add the next thing, which will then become a square. You know, and then once you got the square, and that's integrated, you got to go through the disintegration to learn something to then reintegrate it, so that you can then disintegrate. Yeah, it's just like this constant like. Oh man, I got to learn a new thing. Like, oh, I just nailed this one thing, and it's like, yeah, that's life. Like, you're never gonna stop doing that. So why would you like try and resist it? And if you get to the point where you have like a, whatever the hell the most cited thing is, all I know is a pentagon or a hexagon. Like, you got a hexagon, you think, yeah, I can do everything I want with a hexagon. Then you've hit you like you're you're content. Like, you know, break the hexagon in half and be like, oh, now I got these two little funny things. Flip them together, pull out some pieces, add some more pieces there. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, it gets more and more it, it gets more and more nuanced as you keep doing it. And you just end up at a point where you think, oh man, like I've been training so hard. Oh, I've been dis- I've been stepping into chaos so much to learn all this stuff that I'm kind of like, I gotta stop I gotta stop rebuilding it and use it as something. Like, I've built it up now. Yeah, start showing people your hexagon. It's like, here, here, look what I did. (laughs) Because it'll be a fragile little hexagon and maybe someone's going to smash it and be like, nah, you should never sing again. But, like, the strength of it is like, oh, well, fuck you, man. I'm going to sing again. Like, I'm going to put this thing back together. I don't give a shit. I worked worked hard for this hexagon. (laughs) But um, I suppose that comes back to, um, because we've been shitting on trying to learn from songs, trying to learn how to sing from songs. I suppose the true value in listening to someone else sing is you get ideas and inspiration from them and that fuels your whole creative process. Like if you listen to like for me, that's what's drawn me into the acoustic songs. I'll find an acoustic artist. I'm like, whoa, he's got an amazing voice or like the way he pairs it with the guitar and you, you kind of all of a sudden your creative energy is sort of directed in that direction to try and emulate that and learn and try and figure out what he was doing and like i feel like that's a really important part and it's like you said before the yin and yang like listen and learn from your own voice but use other people as inspiration as well look at other people's hexagons and be like oh you've got this pentagon it's like oh if i just pull it apart add one more side i've got a hexagon oh thank you thank you so much <laughs> And it'll be yours. Like, it won't be exactly the same because, like, you know, they've they've done it their way. Yours will look like yours, and then you'll be able to do unique and creative things with your thing. But like, if you're always trying to like mimic, which is what you're saying, well, you're always trying to try and listen to the song and imitate the song, you're gonna end up with a real shitty looking hexagon that falls apart when it when you get under pressure and. You know, you don't, it's, it's all this like... When it doesn't have the scaffolding of the song, it doesn't look like a hexagon. It looks like a blob. You're like, oh, yuck. Maybe I can't perform in front of people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But if you own it and like you're comfortable with the tools that you have and you do it a lot and you, you do it, you show it to a lot of people and then it starts becoming a part of you. Like, oh, yeah, I, I do sing for a living, like... Maybe I am a singer, even though I'm not like making 100k out of it or even 50k out of it. Like people will pay me 500 dollars or 200 bucks to go sing in a pub with another guitarist. It's like, well, you know, that's 
that's pretty admirable. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, can't even well, do that. Like, I struggle with the performing aspect of it because, like, you know, it's, it's also hard to find people to jam with. And, like, you found your thing with, um, what was the name? I can't remember. What was it? Um, I forgot your band name. What's your band name? <laughs> oh, Killer Lee. Killer Lee, that's it. Yeah. So if you find people that you vibe with and you can, like, because they don't have to be the best thing in the world. You just have to be able to tell a story together. And then you go out and if no one wants to pay you because you sound like you're telling a story of like a dead cat, then like you're not a singer. But if you can go out and show people and engage an audience to agree with like, oh, yeah, no, you can come back next week. They really seem to enjoy that. Then you like that's owning the skill. You've like essentially mastered a big part of life. Yeah. Performance is a whole nother category. Like there's the, the learning process, the creativity, and then performances on like its own different world so that's it from the podcast i hope you guys really enjoyed it i hope you found a lot of value in it um feel free to send me a message with any questions that you want answered or anything that you guys would like me to talk about next um yeah i hope you enjoyed it and i hope you guys have a good day